In this episode of the Impactable Podcast, I'm joined by Dr. Dritz. We are speaking about athletic performance and injury management. Again, thank you very much for joining me, Dr. Dritz. Thank you very much for being willing to share your expertise. So, Dr. Dritz, tell me a little about yourself, man. Yeah, so I um, graduated from medical school uh, quite a while ago. I mean, I could say how long ago, 2006. I went to URI, and at that time... You know, Barbados didn't have its own medical or full medical uh, faculty at the time. So I would have done a couple of years, three years in Jamaica and two years in Barbados. Uh, I did an internship at, at QEH and all that good stuff. And subsequently, I specialized in physical medicine and rehabilitation uh, and did my subspecialty training in sports medicine at Montefiore Medical Center, which is in the Bronx, New York. Um, and that is where I actually work. Now, um, you can say I have basically three roles. I will list them in terms of what I will see is the amount of time I spend on each. So mm-hmm. I am the program director for the Sports Medicine Fellowship. Um, so I was a Sports Medicine Fellow once in this program, and now I am directing the education of others who want to become sports medicine specialists. I am, yeah, I am also um, an attending physician in the Department of Rehabilitation Medicine, but my focus area is really sports medicine, so primarily outpatient uh, clinics, doing evaluations, um, doing some injections, doing some ultrasound scans of, of different joints. And then the the last um, post, I would say, is assistant professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation uh, through the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, which is the medical school that the hospital is associated with. So, Hello, Reddit. Yeah, so if you see my so, – so if you get my um, – so if you see my email signature, it will have, it will have some, it will have a few of those things on it. You got alphabet behind it. Uh starting, startings of it. <laughs> well, I appreciate the fact that um, with that wealth of knowledge there, um, again that you were willing to share some of that with us. And the thing about it is, you're a very qualified young man, but yet you're a very down to earth fella, you know. So I, I appreciate that idea about you. And we can delve deeper into this conversation. But before we get to some of the topics that we had lined up there, the subtopics, I just want mm-hmm. I just want to ask you, how was this transition here from from obviously going through school and then practicing, you know, um, exactly what you were learning there, the, the actual practicing element, to now educating the persons who will be coming after you? How has that transition been? Is it something that you enjoy? Yes, it's something that I would say that I enjoy. Um, I actually come from, I don't want to say a line of teachers, but both parents, both my parents were teachers. Um, and I always look and say, well, teaching is real it's serious work. You know, is you need a lot of patience. Um, there's a lot of after school um, or after hour uh, stuff that you have to do. And that that's my experience as well. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I am... Um, I enjoy it. I definitely enjoy it. I, I, I like the fact that I'm able to share uh, and pass on some of the knowledge and the, and the skills um, with those who come after me. And I also help them to avoid making some of the mistakes that I made when I was training. Um, I think 
learning by struggling and making mistakes is still is still good because I feel like those lessons stick with you longer. But right. um, you know, if, if if there was something that I really struggled with significantly when I was training, and I see them about to do the same thing, I'm like, all right, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to do that. I went through that a few years ago, and I could tell you, you you're gonna end up in problems. So just you know, let's not so, let let's not do that. Let let's let's take a slightly different approach. So that's where the gray hairs know the wisdom. But the gray hairs usually come in here. No, I, I fully understand. No, I got the full circle. <laughs> you know. Lucinda wanted to know who is this boss that ain't here. I'm sure that she's re referring to you, Dr. Hadrits. And she asked me where you really going. Well, you can't expect that I hear interviewing a big one. And I can't wear my tie and thing. Lucinda, what do you mean? Uh, and I, I really get and I understand what you're speaking about with the, with the teaching. Um, we have at least one teacher. Um, I saw coming in the host, Miss Hurley, and we, we had her doing her chat the other day, and I could fully understand, you know, just all the rudiments, well, understand from hearing, all the rudiments that are involved with, with teaching, plus, you no, know, you're talking about teaching, plus all the other things that you have to do. That, you know, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. But I'm very glad that you're willing to pass on your information um, in that way and give the guidance and the nurturing that the youngsters will need. Yeah, so, definitely. Tell me something, mm -hmm. boss. Uh, we talking about physical med. We, we, we speak about medicine a lot, especially in this age that we in now. But let me let me turn it into the sports medicine kind of things here now. And tell me what it really involved in physical medicine. One, and tell me what really involved in rehab too. Okay, so okay, so the specialty is really physical medicine and rehabilitation. Um, that that was my core specialty or base specialty, and this is a specialty. It would be I would say relatively new to Barbados and the, and the English speaking Caribbean. Barbados didn't get one of those specialists until I think about two thousand and six, and right now, I think there's just one, maybe two people. Um, who are there, and then you have one, one in Trinidad, one in Jamaica, one in Bahamas. So, you know, if you talk about CARICOM, uh, for instance, which is millions of people, um, you know, you have like five uh, for that, for for all, for all for all of that, right? Uh, so it's really is is really a field that's undersubscribed, but that is quite understandable because you don't get the um, introduction to that field in medical school in UE. I was able to get introduced to it because I had an interest. Somebody said something to me that sparked an interest, and then I was able to do um, an elective. So I actually came out here. I went to Mount Sinai uh, when I was in my final year of uh, medical school. And from what I saw, it was like, all right, well, there's no other, there's no other path to take, basically. Um, but even up here as well, you know, medical school, although the specialty has been around in the U.S. for much longer, we're talking about late 1940s, because mm -hmm. it was for, it first came about for people to actually, um, you know, rehabilitate a lot of people, veterans who came back from the wars, right? right. So remember, you, you, would have, you would have the First World War and the Second World War, which would have ended in 1945. Uh, right. So the specialty really blossomed after that, but despite that, and despite the fact that, you know, there have been about, you know, over, over 9,000 board-certified um, physical medicine and rehabilitation specialists in the U.S., a lot of people still don't know what 
physical medicine rehabilitation specialists actually do. And it's not something that all medical students get um, educated on. But to, if, if I had to sum it up in a sentence, I would say we are the specialty of function. So what we are concerned with is people who have diminished function or abnormal physical function, not mental, physical functioning. Um, and this could be related to many different things. It could be something that is um, congenital, something you, you're born with or something that came around, around the time of birth or not too long after birth. You're talking about things like cerebral palsy and those types of things or something that you acquired later in life. And the spectrum of severity could range from things that are life-altering, life like strokes, traumatic brain injury, uh, spinal cord injury, and those types of things. The things which are, you know, a little less, um, a little less substantial, but, you know, for, for, for what we are talking about might be more relevant to our conversation. So if you, you know, you pull a hamstring, you sprain your ankle, those types of things. So we have involvement over a broad spectrum of, um, of problems. And we, within that, just like other doctors, you know, you have orthopedists, you have OBGYNs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then we have people that then subspecialize from within the specialty. So for instance, you have sports medicine, which I subspecialize in, which is um, quite popular. I would say the most popular one is pain medicine. So those people that deal with chronic pain and they do some spine, inject, spine injections and things like that. And um, then you have things like, you know, traumatic brain injury, spinal cord injury, neuromuscular, pediatric rehab, um, and there are several others. So it's a really broad area, um, which I really think needs to be boosted in, you know, in the Caribbean. Um, we have to, we, 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 I'm back. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, back. yeah, 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 I'm yeah, back. yeah. All right. My channeling, my, my, my channeling some, uh, some John King from back in the day. Well done. Right. So, um, let me, let me touch on sports medicine. Also sports medicine. I think everybody thinks about, you know, you deal with, you deal with athletes who are injured. You know, you're the man, you're the man when somebody goes and you run on, you run onto the field and that's how it started. But now it's branched out and, also become quite broad, so you deal with different demographics. So, yes, it's still the athletes that get injured, but it's also, you know, anybody who has some kind of musculoskeletal um, issue. So people with arthritis, you know, middle-aged or older people that got rotator cuff um, injuries and foot problems and things like that. Um, and the reason for that is because, you know, athletes, yes, are fitter than everybody else. Um, they're probably more resilient than everybody else, but at the end of the day, it's the same anatomy, right? So whatever you can do to manage the athlete's anatomy, you can use in the general population as well. So I have a question as it relates to that, but before I ask that question, um, 
Paul Drew Gerns. Paul Gerns. I got you covered. Mm -hmm. um, made, made the statement. It's good to hear your men doing some big things. So keep it going, Dr. Dritz. Keep it going. Um, I, I want to ask a question. Do you find, as you related to the injuries and the rates of injuries, um, you find that the rate of injuries are increasing, and it's not just from the athletes or the, the persons who are playing sports. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm speaking about, you know, the everyday person who, you know, might go to the gym and involve in some activity. Um, I don't know if I would say it's increasing. I, I think during COVID, definitely, um, you know, you were not getting as, as many acute injuries. And the reason for that would be because there's really no sports that were going on. A lot of people were inside the house, um, you know, had everything buckled down tight, 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 avoiding COVID <laughs> as it should be. Right. Um, so, you know, nobody was outside spraining their ankles and dropping off of things and stepping in potholes and all these things that, you know, would make them come in with, with problems. But, oh, okay. you know, we, we, still, we, we still see the same, the same types of injuries um, coming into the clinic, but there was a definite drop-off, um, you know, when, when, when COVID was, was first around. Although, you know, we were not doing in-person visits and we were doing telemedicine for, for a bit, um, there was still less, um, less, less people in the clinic. Well, you're raising, you're raising a lot of key words here. So you touched on te telemedicine there just now. Um, mm -hmm. how, how, do you, how have you found your um, ability to work with telemedicine? Do you find, is it something that you like? Um, I think for some people or for some situations, it, it can be useful. Um, mm -hmm. there, so, you know, there, there are people where for, for them to come to the clinic, you know, they have to take time off work. I mean, everybody has to do that. But for some people, it seems to be a bigger burden than others. Right. Um, so for them, I'm like, okay, yes, let's try, let's try the telemedicine thing. But having said that, no, you need to clarify. You know, when you do talk, talk about telemedicine, there's telephone and there's video, right? So I definitely, I think everybody prefers video, mm -hmm. especially from a musculoskeletal standpoint. Video gives you so much more information because I could look at you and say, okay, um, you said your shoulder that hurts. Can you, you know, take off your shirt and show me exactly where it is on your shoulder that hurt? And then I could have you, you know, I could, I could look at your shoulder from the front. I could have you position yourself so I could look from the back, from the side, and I could get different, I could get more information from doing that. If you just talking to me over the phone, you know, I have to ask a lot more questions because I can't see what is happening. And I have to give you much more precise instructions about what I want you to do. Again, because I can't see what you're doing, you know, to give you feedback on, you know, are you doing the right thing? Um, and you can't see me, right? I can just demonstrate and say, yeah, put your hand up like this, right? Uh -huh. Um, so yeah, and then the other thing, which is kind of funny, and I also, um, I have to kind of educate, you know, the fellows and the residents who are not from the Caribbean, you know, a lot of them from the U.S., grew up in the U.S. or born here or whatever. When you're talking to people from certain backgrounds, and they tell you certain things, you have to delve a little bit deeper to make sure that you're on the same page. So, this is... Your shoulder, right? We know that. But 
my grandmother or my older aunt or somebody like that might say, might come to me and say, my hand hurts. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So you know a hand is from, for us, <laughs> from shoulder down to fingernail. Mm-hmm. Whereas we say, this is hand, right? In medicine. Yeah. So if somebody comes and tells me on over the phone, my hand hurts. And I will be thinking, they mean this. But they may mean their shoulder. So if I go working that they mean this and they mean their shoulder, then you know it, it's not it's not it's not gonna work out because you know you're gonna make you're gonna make a wrong diagnosis, you can institute easy. wrong treatment. Yeah, easy like that. Simple, simple, you got, simple. You gotta ask all the relevant questions before we before you get done to brass stats. Yeah, yes, yes. You gotta make sure that you you're on the right page. Every everybody's on the same page. Um, another example is when people say that you know their their hand feels numb, right? So when so when you tell me numb, numb to me is you have less feeling or you have no feeling. So I always ask them when you say numb, you know, describe it another way, and you'll be surprised how difficult it is for people to describe numb without using the word numb again, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> But then when you probe and probe and probe, then they might tell you, oh, it's a cramp. Okay, it's a cramp. Okay, but that's not numb. That's not my understanding of numb. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. if I, so, so, if you, so if you told me, oh, it gets numb, are you thinking, okay, you got a nerve problem, you got to go for a nerve test, et cetera, right? So now I'm going sub- so, so, so to subject you to a procedure that's uncomfortable, that you may not have needed, because right. of what you told me. And if I did not have it in my mind that, yes, I have to make sure we are absolutely on the right page, that's what, that's what can happen. So, so we, we're really here speaking about like, screening per se. But um, as it relates to athletic performance, this is also something that we need to do. And in many cases, taking a step back and do pre-screening. Uh, what's your take on doing pre-screening for athletic ability? or athletic performance, rather. And also, when we speak about athletic performance, I'm also speaking of a person who is going into the gym for the, you know, the first time or the first time after a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I think you definitely know that I am a big proponent of screening. Um, we actually, I, I'm sure you remember this, we, we, we actually were discussing a project that we wanted to do. Yes. Uh, we went sports to... We went sports at a big boy um, in the ministry at the time and all that, and we, you know, we got <laughs> some good, um, some good feedback, and then, um, you know, things kind of fell sure. through. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, definitely, I, I, I am a big proponent of screening in athletes, and I think, you know, generally in Barbados, and I, I don't want to speak for the Caribbean in general, but I, I feel a lot of things that happen in Barbados probably happen you know, in the region, generally. In Barbados, the screening is usually really only done for um, people who are going to go and represent Barbados overseas, right? And that is fair to do that. Um, I mean, those people definitely should be screened, but I think more people need to be screened. I think athletes of all abilities need to be screened at all levels should be screened. And the other thing with that is that when they start screening them, the timing of the screening usually is not optimal. So, you know, 
Um, Commonwealth Games is four weeks from now, and we can screen these people today. Okay, that's a problem. Why is that a problem? Because, you know, you are 23 years old, right? You don't, you don't, you don't usually go to a doctor, right? You've not been to a doctor since, I don't know, you were 18, you had to get some immunization for some reason to enter UE or something like that, right? Um, since then, you've not really been sick. You just get a little cold. You don't really go to a doctor, whatever the case is. So, you know, we check you out. Somebody listen to you hard. Yeah, you hard sound funny, though. You got a murmur. Any, anybody, any, 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 anybody tell you you got a murmur before? No. My mother never told me I got a murmur. I never, the doctor never told me I got a murmur. Was yeah, though, but, um, yeah, but it was basically an abnormal heart sound, right? But so if I listen to people's hearts, you know, you hear, but, but, like one, two, like that, right? And that should be a re- 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 repeatable sound. Sometimes people will have an abnormal sound in there, right? So instead of hearing that distinctive one, two, you might hear, whoosh, like that or you may hear other things mm-hmm. right so now the question is you know where does murmur come from is this an innocent murmur meaning it has no real clinical significance you know yang and dead because of it or mm-hmm. is this something serious and you know you need to be checked out thoroughly by a cardiologist and cleared or you should not participate in the sports at all because you might drop down and die and it has happened you know i don't i don't think i i, I don't think we've had cases in barbers that i can remember people died while playing sports but it's happened in jamaica right and and it's happened it happens in other places so it also happens in places where screening actually happens to you know to a very small degree and that just shows how important it is to have the exactly. screening on a regular basis too yeah, exactly. So, so now, if I find this murmur, I hear this murmur four weeks, three weeks, whatever, right? And you know, I like, boy, I can, I can, I can't sign that paper and clear you. You need to, you need to go to a cardiologist, and the cardiologist gotta get some work up. So he said, okay, I can go to Doctor whoever, Doctor Ishmael, Doctor Massey, whoever. These people are busy. Mm-hmm. The boy, suppose, suppose you just say, but, but you talk four weeks, but I can't see you till six weeks from now. So what yeah. happen? You know, you know, you know that. Well, you ain't getting on that trip, right? So these are the things. Or let's say that they can see you, but then they need to do more work up. So you need to have enough time that. If something is found, you can complete work and get screened and get cleared, right? The other thing is, somebody like I, you know, you you have an injury, and I examine you. You carry you carrying this injury, I like, but you know, you should not really think with this injury. You need a like a re, you need a, like a course of rehabilitation, <laughs> right? It's four weeks away, <laughs> and you need and you need and you need like six weeks. Uh, for the physical therapist to put you through the paces and say, yeah, you know, you 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 cool, you good, you know. If you go there and run the two hundred, you know, you ain't gonna pop your hamstring, you know, those sort of things. But now it's a time crunch, and we gotta left you home. 
you know, and it's not, and it's not, and it's not your fault, right? Yeah. Because you're just because you're just following what the organization told you and set up for you, mm-hmm. right? But these are the things that we have to put across to the to the big boys to let them know, yeah, you know, this is how this is how you need to do better for the for the athletes. But we 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 would love for our levels to go from here to here, but um, in some cases, unfortunately. We're not putting the things in place to systematically go from one area to the next, you know, and that's, and that's a little bit unfortunate. All right, see that Dr. Dress has frozen, and I'm not sure if that's because of me or because of him. Um, maybe you guys can let me know if you can hear me at this point in time. Oh, Dr. Dress. Yeah, you can hear me. I can hear you. Yeah, me. I think somebody was, yeah, somebody was um, trying to call through or something. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't I, I didn't catch what you were saying just now. No, but I was really just uh, reiterating everything that you just said, um, basically, uh, the importance. But I also mm-hmm. want to, to, to point out in there that when you say screening, as a summary, when you say screening, it is both the physical screening as well as the medical screening. And I, I think that that is such an important point. Just the other day, there was an MBA trade that happened. Um, I'm not sure if you follow the NBA at this point in time. You're probably a little bit too busy. But Travis um, <laughs> Levert, he was traded to the Indiana Pacers from the, from the Brooklyn Nets. And they actually found a tumor on his kidney. So mm. that trade, because, because every time a trade takes place, they have to do a, a, a medical assessment. And that trade basically saved his life because he was screened right away so that he could join the Indiana Pacers. And it was right there that they found the tumor. And Caris was about the place running about at an elite athletic level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No tiredness, nothing. But that's what the screen found and saved his life. So that's why it's so important. Right. Yeah, definitely. And the, thing about, yeah, and the thing about it is that um, at those higher levels, you know, they, they, they usually do more comprehensive screening. Um, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of debate usually about when you screen athletes in the, you know, in the U.S. and so on. Do you do ECG on athletes, right? Um, and in the U.S., they don't generally do ECG. You know, in Europe, Italy, and so on, they generally do ECG. They generally want ECG done on athletes. Um, you know, the, the the thing is about you know the cost is the cost um, worth mm, it. Is it worth it? Right. Right mm-hmm. and all the and all these sort of things, but when you start getting the higher levels, people do ECG. Like if you for FIFA, I remember somebody somebody was asked me part of a thing doing screening for, and this was at the youth level for FIFA. And these people not only wanted ECG, they wanted echo echocardiogram, which is basically ultrasound yeah, the heart, right? Mm-hmm. So at those higher levels, is there's much they do a lot more. And when you talk professional, there's a lot of incentive um, from the, the team's standpoint to do things because, you know, they spend a lot of money on players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they really, they really um, are on the ball with it. Um, interestingly enough, going back to the, the project that we had, you remember that we had a medical part, we had a general like MS, you know, musculoskeletal evaluation part, and we had a part which was basically looking for injury risk, right? Um, Things that might put you at higher risk of injury. Mm. Now, at that time, the official, when I say the official, the 
um, pre-participation evaluation form that would have been ratified by about five, five different specialty um, boards up here did not really recommend doing things like that. Subsequently, they have recommended um, the addition of tests that could evaluate for injury. So there's something called uh, dynamic valgus, which is your knee, your knee going inwards like this, mm-hmm. which, 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 which in the literature and so on has been shown to be uh, possibly or significantly correlated with um, ladies getting things like ACL tears and, um, you know, other knee injuries. So they actually added that to the, um, to the official form that is now ratified by those boards. So what we came up with was actually probably, you know, as two, fellas in, as, yeah, as two fellas in Barbados doing this thing, you know, was ahead of, you know, the official thing that people had. So I, I, I found that interesting. Indeed, indeed. And, and, and that is definitely something that we always look for when we are screening athletes before um, doing a, a training program. That same dynamic values. Uh, right. See how we, can, how we can get around that first before we, we add any load to the movements. No, Dr. Vaughn, Physio Care Barbados, uh, she said that athletes need to be honest as well about the injuries that they have. And that's a very important point, too, you know, because there's yeah. everything you're fine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that's definitely important. I think, you know, there's there there there's what you can call a conflict of interest, really. Um, that sports medicine uh, people will encounter when dealing with athletes, and that is that your um, your priority is not necessarily athlete's priority, right? What's athlete's priority to be out there competing and mm-hmm. to keep competing? My priority, you know, some, some, and sometimes athletes feel that my priority is to keep them out, but that's not true. My priority is to make sure that they are safe competing. So they should be competing, um, you know, without any significant injury, um, significant decrease in function or whatever the case is, right? So athlete may feel, man, I got this thing and, you know, if I tell the doctor or I get the doctor, you can tell me, don't run. But 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 that might be but that's probably the right thing. You probably should not be running, right? Yeah. But so that, so so there's that so there's that um conflict there. And I you know, I, I experienced this um when so when I was in private practice in Barbados a few years ago, this athlete came, she was a top sprinter in the island. Um, she was attending one of the uh, powerhouse schools in St. Michael, right? And she came to me because she hurt, she injured her hamstring like a month before, right? She was still competing at these Saturday meets and stuff like that, but she noted definitely her performance was down. You know, she was still having pain and all this sort of thing. So I evaluated her. Definitely, she had some tenderness in the hamstring. Um, you know, ultrasound was a big thing for me. So I did a little ultrasound in the office, scanned the area. And I saw this tear, right? 
So I told her, well, you know, you basically need to rehab this. And I cannot encourage you to go on, to run, to go and compete. And so, you know, she came with her mother and she came with the coach, right? Mm-hmm. So there was this conversation. Well, you know, she is, she's a top school girl sprinter in Barbados, man. She could probably run um, at 50% uh, qualify for the finals. Now, I forgot to mention, this was the Monday she came to me. And the Tuesday was the zone sports for the zonal meet for inter-school sports. So you know, so you know, so so you know, inter-school sports has changed from back when we were at school, and now yes. the schools are divided into two zones. You have the zonal meet, and then you have everybody comes together for the big meet and the finals. Mm. So I mean, what is the end game? What is the thing about getting her into finals? Once you get in finals, you 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 guaranteed a point, right? And that's basically all it could be, you know. So, but you know, there hamstring for a point. Yeah, it was that. It was that kind of conversation. I just had to quickly nip that in bud and say, no, this, this, this <laughs> does not. This, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't do this. Um, you know, she was disappointed, um, but you know, she went on. She got, she got a athletic scholarship, and my understands that she's doing very well. Excellent. So Excellent. you know, you just have to you have you have to look past the short term sometimes, right? Um, and look at the medium to long term because she could have gone and done more damage, and then the scouts would be like, "Oh Lord, well you you got you got you got a great tree hamstring tear now, nah, though." Yeah, We ain't working with her. Try 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 again next year. <laughs> you know, something like that, you know, and so it's really not, it's really not worth it. And, you know, saying that is also to tell people, you know, don't be hesitant about seeking attention when you have an injury because you might be putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and you might be still doing what you're doing. You might make it worse and then you have a long, you have a longer layoff than what you might have had if you had, uh, if you took, if you sought medical attention, um, for, you know, quickly. So uh, I would say, you know, if you, if, if you notice that you have significantly decreased function um, after injury, right, um, you have pain that's persisting or swelling persisting for a long period of time, you know, more than like a day or two, Right, if you're struggling to walk to do just you know regular activities, then yeah, it 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 doesn't make sense to say oh you know I can seek medical attention, you know next month or something like that. Just come come early and get assessed, um, and you will probably be able to you know you 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 should be able to get to feel more comfortable faster and get back to what you want to do um, faster rather than if you delay. So that's what, that's what I would recommend. You know, that's an interesting point. And, and it reminds me of the conversation that we had a few weeks ago with Husani Selton Brewster, um, when he spoke about when he had fractured, it was fractured or broke. Anyhow, he mashed it, he hand. And 
ended up getting to facts and you know the the hand didn't, didn't stop him from walking up so he was fine right he had he had to end up seeking attention uh, a few days after so we have this theory especially yes man we got this theory that you know man i can i can see how it feels tomorrow and then i can get check out and then tomorrow you see the same thing it's almost like tomorrow never comes you know how do we how do we actually break uh, melissa saying he, he she thinks that he actually broke it how do we actually break this cycle where people always, you know, have that tendency to, to put back and put back and put back um, in a case like that so that we can get persons to be evaluated quicker? Well, I think it has to start with education to let people know, um, you know, there's really no benefit to just, you know, saying, oh, my, I can just, I can just shake it off, you know? Um mm-hmm. That reminds me of that, um, you know, of a, of a quote from uh, Cap- Captain America from one of the Avengers movies where he says, you know, if they hit you, hit back. And if you die, and if you die, shake it off, right? <laughs> so, so, is that, so, so is that sort of thing, you know. I think athletes as well have a... a, a there's, a, I don't want to say a, a bravado about it, right? Where people yeah, look at you like, yeah, like, what man, you, you finger the brick and you still out there playing cricket and batting and thing. Man, he's a boss, man. He, he really, he, he really, he, he really come true for the team, you know, and all these sort of things. And it, it really, it really impacts on them seeking attention when they, when, when they should. Um, you know, even look, look back at the at, uh, World Cups, football World Cups, you know. I saw a man get knocked out in 2014, down on the ground, out, cold. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor basically, you know, called for a sub, and the man said, no, he, he got back in, which was absolute folly. The man had a concussion, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, this is the sort of bravado that athletes have, where it's like, I can put everything on the line, you know. And in the heat of the moment, and based on what I said is their priority, they neglect to think about what are the medium to long-term uh, ramifications. But we definitely need to educate people that, you know, they need to seek attention um, early mm-hmm. so that, you know, you don't have to be about this struggling, you know, with your shoulder hurting for a whole month. You're, you're struggling to put on a shirt. You gotta ask your wife to wash your back. I mean, like that's not that's that's you know that might be that might be romantic, but that's no way to live, you know. Uh, so, exactly, exactly. So you have to so so we have to let them know you know better can be done. Um, I think sometimes people may think about the financial um, aspect in terms of. You know, you man, I gotta see doctor, he can charge me, whatever he can charge. But again, is your health, right? And you would you would yeah, you 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 wouldn't want a situation where because you left it, now you needed something more drastic in terms of treatment. So instead of just getting physical therapy early, maybe an injection, um, you know, you know, you you know you got a big rotator cuff tear. And you go go and see Dr. Critchlow or some other surgeon. And, you know, so now you got to spend thousands of dollars instead of spending, 
you know, a couple hundred or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a much longer layoff. So, you know, those are the things that you have, you have to kind of put it in context with people um, true, as well. That is very true. At the end of the day, it's better to nip it in the bud, deal with it early. You can, you can save yourself some money, some financial strain, but you can also save yourself the psychological strain because you may be able to get back to your activity much sooner if you go right. to the, until the advice of the persons who have studied years and years and years and gained so much experience in these fields. I, I have right. two questions that I really want to tackle here with you. We mm-hmm. spoke to speaking to the athlete and the athlete's bravado. We also have some situations where, because you mentioned with the athlete, she came with her coach and thing. Mm-hmm. But you also got some, some situations where the stakes, if you will, may be much higher. So I, I, I follow football a bit, and I would hear some coaches talking about playing everything out there for the team. Hey, care if you got a slight injury or not, he just wants to make sure that you leave everything you have out there for the team at that point in time. Because, you know, some of these athletes also struggle mentally with the fact that if they lose the place, they're gone. How, yeah. how, how do you have that conversation or person in your field? How do you figure people will have that conversation when the coach saying, man, look, we need this player. That player got to play, but your advice is to say, man, look, they got to hold up. How, how is it with that? Well, I haven't, I, I haven't had to have that conversation that often, but I think in the professional world, you know, it would be the same thing. People, the, 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 the doctors or other um sports medicine specialists will basically use their best judgment, right? Because it's a situation where you could be damned if you do and damned if you don't, right? Especially mm-hmm. talking about up here in the U.S., which is a very litigious uh, society, right? Mm-hmm. So a mom might come and tell you, my dog, um, don't worry about that hamstring, man. I, 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 or, you know, don't, I just... Just give me just just give me little painkillers and I I can be good. I I sort out. Alright, but guess what? You do that, right? And he goes out there and tears it. The mom will turn around and sue you, you know. <laughs> the mom will turn around the mom will sue you. I know, I know, I know he's torn it as a worse injury. His place on the team or whatever is under more threat because you're going to be out for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So <clears> right. Right. So, uh, you know, is a, is a, is a situation where, you know, you have to let the individual know, you know, these are the consequences, right? These are potential consequences. And if you feel strongly enough, also let them know, all right, well, you could do this, but you're going to be doing it against my advice. You understand, mm-hmm. and then you know you need to you need you need to document that somewhere. Um, that you know you had this conversation, you laid out you know you laid out all the possible consequences of this person doing this and doing that, and they decide to do it against your advice. You know, and that might save you when the person decide to carry court. <laughs> you know, that might save you because you say you 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 had the conversation and they do it against your advice. You basically tell them, well, okay. Well, if you do this, I advise you strongly not to do it. And I documented that I advise you not to do it. If you do it, as you're saying, Barbara, it's all at you. You understand? So, <clears throat> so you need to, you need to, um, you need to approach it that way. Yes, definitely. So 
you, you, you imagine that your main function is to protect these people, but yet they can turn around and stab you in the back. You know, that's that's real, that's real hard to deal with, you know. So you gonna be walking around with, with paper and pen at all times, so you can have a, a contract written on the spot. <laughs> so you can save yourself from litigation. Um Melissa yeah. was saying that this reminds me of an episode of Grey's Anatomy when the guy cut off his broken finger so he could play a game. No, 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 that's that's another level though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, people pe people have tried all sorts of things. Um, funny enough, I was I, w I was given a lecture on ethics and legal issues in sports medicine recently, and you know, so I tried to find some cases to keep it engaging. And one of the cases I came across was this is ethical, not le not legal necessarily, um, although it did have ramifications for all involved. Um, in 2009, so in rugby, right, there's this thing where you could basically say, well, okay, after the subs, after you exhaust your subs, you could, you, you can only have a sub if there's a blood injury, right? So if you're bleeding from somewhere. So this team, they're in this big game, and beforehand, somebody on the team had bought these, this fake blood fake blood capsules, right? So they wanted to substitute this guy so that they could get a kicker on so that they could probably kick for a goal and maybe win the game in the, in the, in the last few minutes of the game. Uh, so, this, so this guy had a blood capsule, put it in his mouth, ruptured it in his mouth, so now he's bleeding in the mouth, right? By his fake, by his fake blood. Right? Calls for a sub. So as he's walking off the field, and this, this, this was shown later, he winked at his, at his bench. Mm -hmm. Right? They didn't, they didn't pick it up at the time, but I guess they saw it on replay footage. Immediately, the medical staff from the opposing team was saying, this looked fake. Let me see what happened here. The man ran down into the into the dressing room where the, where his team doctor was and shut it locked and they shut the door with the with the with the medical staff and the other team in hot pursuit. Trying to get and, <laughs> Yeah. And so he's like, oh man, you got you tell the doctor you, you gotta do something to show that I got injury. Doctor under pressure took a mini scalpel or something cut the inside the man lip. No. No. So, so much ethical issues there. Like, you know, you could talk about this for a whole... <laughs> you, 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 you could talk this for a whole hour. But what ended up happening was he got, he got, he got suspended for a few months. Only? The, yeah. In, initially, it was a... Initially, it was a year. But then he, but then he snitched many people. So, they reduced the punishment. <laughs> so the director of the director of rugby I think who whose idea it was to utilize these blood capsules got suspended and then fired. The doctor who did it got suspended from the um from the the general medical council. So it's just our own bad idea. Right? But so so this is a literal occasion where snitches get stitches? Anybody got a, a drum that you can put in? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but no, that that is highly ridiculous. It just shows that people will go to every single link, every yep. single link in sports yep. to get W. Yep. Definitely. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of education that you have to do, and yeah, as you said, you have to save these people from themselves. Yes, you know, yes. and just. But I think, I think it helps when you get the trust and the buy-in of the coach and the management of the team, because athletes listen more to coaches than they listen to doctors. So if you get, so if you get the coach on your side. Mm-hmm. The athlete will fall in line most of the time, mm. and that's the impression that I, that I always get as well. The the, the the medical staff just did the background, just scurrying about doing the thing. But at the end of the day, it's the coach that always always has that say. Yeah, yeah. Coaches, coaches, coaches will push for a lot of things, but I think you know you have to you have to kind of get their trust as well and show them. Yeah, you know you what you're about. Um, you know, it's not that you are trying to keep people out. You are trying to basically look after the, um, you know, the safety and the well-being of the athlete. And if it's a team sport, the team as well. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah, boy. I mean, those are some interesting points there for sure. Just showing how important it is to keep your ethics above board at all times, every single mm-hmm. time, and doing it yourself, drop your standards. Um, I, I wanted to ask earlier if there was any time that you had to speak to an athlete where you felt, you know, be, because of delivering this news, which is perceived as bad news at the time, where you felt, you know, like, you know, this is some hard news to deliver or you really felt a sorry way. The impression that, again, is that you are sticking to the facts, you're sticking to the basics all the time, and you're just going, you know what, this is the case, and that is it, you know, but... but you ever had those feelings where you felt a sort of way delivering this news? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the 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 instance that I mentioned before, I definitely felt bad for her because into school is like probably second biggest thing on the cal- on the athletic calendar for them. The the bigger mm-hmm. one would be crypto, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at least for our for our region. So for her into school was a big thing and she was looking forward to, you know, competing at the school. Um, I can't remember. I can't, I can't, I can't remember if it was her last year or what. Um, right. So, you know, you, you, you always, you always want to do that, but you know, the, the, the thing about it is what, what, what I think makes it more palatable for them is, Obviously, the way that you bring it across, so you have to put it across with empathy, right? And then when you have them involved in everything that you are doing, the whole evaluation, and and speaking to them as you are doing it, that helps a lot. So, you know, as I took her history, you know, I was saying, I, 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 I was saying, oh, you know, man, this is, you know, this is tough because, you know, you're 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 having significant challenge with, you know, just, you know, things that th- things that are things that are normally very easy, very easy and simple for you, right? And you and you and, and you've known the drop off in your performance and all these types of things. When I examine her, you know, again, you have you have direct tenderness right over that spot that's painful. You know, again, that's not that's not really a, a, like a good sign. And then we did the ultrasound. You know, I could sure look. Okay, this is your this this is your normal side, 
right, or the unaffected side, and then look at this side. You know, if we look at the same area, you see this side, everything looks normal, and then this side, you got a little hole right there. Like, you know, that, that, that should not be like that. So when you kind of put all that information there to them, I think they kind of get an idea of what is coming, and then, you know, you basically have to explain um, or basically tell them recommendations, explaining why, you know, which would incorporate a lot of the stuff that you discussed before. And, of course, you try to deliver it in a, in a very empathetic manner, and, um, you know, that, that, that usually helps. So, basically, everything that you are saying here is that everything comes back to education. Um, education, sharing that knowledge, trying to get people to understand why things are going to be done the way they are going to go, rather than just saying, look, this is what's going on. Follow this here, and that's it. You know, it all boils back down to education. And, and in some cases, they find that, um, you know, some persons have that approach. Some, some don't necessarily have that approach um, from what you've seen. And where the education is lacking, that is where we have persons who, you know, may put themselves in jeopardy after, you know. And it's always, always important to ensure that we, that we have persons fully understanding as to what they are going through. Because after all, it's their body. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Education, education and trust, I think, are the big, the big things when you want people to really buy into what you are saying. Um, the, the, era, the, the era of paternalism, that's the doctor telling you, do X, and you, unquestion, and you unquestionably do X. That era, is, that, that, that era is long over. Um, this is the era... And it has been for several years of patient autonomy. So the patient has the right to decide. Even if you think it's a foolish decision, they have the right to decide what they want to do. And all you can do is share as much knowledge um, as you can, educate them as to why you make your recommendations, and then they kind of have to take it from there. Indeed, indeed. So interestingly enough, when we were planning this, uh, we were identifying the topics and the number, the number of topics that we were going to speak about today. Dr. Dress, you asked me, where, so you think that these are enough topics to get us through for five minutes, but when you hear the show now, it it's is time about, about 7.50. <laughs> and there's one topic here which we, um, we were going to speak about, which was athletic event preparation. You know, we kind of right. touched on it a little bit, but we didn't really delve into it. So I, I am thinking that that topic might be big enough that that may be something that we may have to put back and, and, and delve into another time, we'll see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we could have we could probably have another conversation um, where we look at athletic uh, event preparation because I think is enough. You know, you can you can kinda you can kinda talk talk around that and maybe we can uh, talk about some other things. Um, yeah. if the time doesn't fly by again like it like it did today. <laughs> And if that's the case, then we get a part three, Doc. We will get a yeah. part three. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no problem here. No problem here. Okay, excellent, man. Well, I am, I am very, very happy that you were able to share your information with us today. Um, I'm also happy that you would have taken some information, which, you know, in some cases can be a little bit highfalutin, and brought it and presented it in a way that all of us could, could relate to. So I'm very happy about that, sir. And as I said, you're a very relatable person because I know the person before I know the doctor. So, in other words, this is something that I expect. So, thank you right. very much for not even hesitating, not even thinking about hesitating. 
to join this forum and help us to educate the masses. Because as you said today, the theme here that I really got down here now is education, education, education. So as the more time that we can commit to doing that, then I think that um, we will be able to spread some information bit by bit and hopefully it will circle and go around. So I will definitely be in touch with you to see how we can schedule um, another life. Um, we have some comments coming in. Dave Marshall, man. Dave in the crime. Yeah, man. Um, we have Becca333 saying it was great. She loves the information. Um, Melissa saying thanks for this one, guys. Great breakdown. Thanks for sharing from PhysioCare Barbados, Dr. Vaughn. Um, I had a comment here that Dan Gorgon, <laughs> Dan Gorgon is an ancient name. Well, Jeremy, you get called out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, thank you very much for joining in. Thanks for everyone who has been here live. You didn't have a lot of comments. I mean, a lot of questions today, Dr. Drake. And I really think the reason why you didn't have a lot of questions is because you were very, very clear with the information that you presented. And again, I want to thank you for that. So big at yourself, Drake. We will talk, and they will definitely put some information out as to when we will do this again. Adrian Gihan says, very informative to ball friends on Sundays at Foundation. So we got the tape ball, the tape ball crew. Tape ball, tape ball crew, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really, I'm really happy to see that, man. Big yourself, Adrian. So thank you, everyone. Um, thank you for joining in.